Hello, and welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am Carlos Cooper, one of your co-hosts with me as always, Joe Hilliard. And Dave Gurney. And this is not your normal Beer in a Movie episode. I know I said that last week. We're not week. doing normal episodes uh, We're anymore. not. No, we're done. <laughs> we're completely revamped. No. I, no. Next week, Jackass, week. and then the original Jackass, and we're back to our old format. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please. Uh, I made a joke. Maybe we'll do that. Who no, knows? I'd be down, actually. Uh, it's getting great reviews. I'm very interested in I, it. I, but, yeah, so last week we did something that we had never done before. Uh, this week, we're doing something that we know you all look forward to every single year. It is the Bammies, a.k.a. the Froths. We are going to be talking about our favorite films uh, of the year, the favorite beers that we drank, and then various and sundry other categories that are mixed in there. And before we get to the beer, which I know we are very eager to get to as this is a beer-filled episode, I would like to announce some exciting ah. bit of news that maybe you've heard us discuss, maybe you've heard us mention in passing, but it is here, it is time the beer and a movie merch store is open. I'm wearing the shirt as we speak. I'm drinking all of the beers out of my beer and a movie mug today. <laughs> I know it's not the proper glassware, but I simp beer and a movie, and so I'm doing it. Uh, if you're not a fan of yourself, who's going to be? So I'm right. going to be drinking. Uh, well, and it's a, it's just a beautiful looking. It's a mug. handsome it's a, mug. It's a handsome yeah. mug, so you can get the mug with our logo, our new logo on it, which you've probably seen if you're following us on social media. Uh, and the shirt is a completely different design that uh, my buddy Jacob did. It's great. Jake. Uh, and if you're on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast, $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week. You already probably have your merch in hand. I know a lot of them do. Yeah. And I, yeah. Daniel sent me a picture of uh, you know his shirt, and I know it's some fantastic. of the other people Superb. have gotten them. So we're all that's, grown up. That's happening. Tpublic.com slash user slash beer in a movie. And I'll put a link up on our website. The yeah. link will be at the website, so you can go there, click on the merch button, and you'll be able to find it there as well. And it'll be on our social medias and all that stuff. But it's a pretty easy URL to remember if you just remember that you have to put that slash user slash beer in a movie after tpublic.com. You can get shirts, long sleeves, baseball tees, hoodies, crew necks. Uh, notebooks, mugs, mouse pads, uh, all sorts of shit. Maybe you just want a sticker. And you can get stickers too. Yep. Uh, and I will say, I got my shirt in, and it they they make their shirts on those Bella canvas tees. Those are nice. Those are yeah. nice soft t-shirts. And that, that's yeah. their like base level tee. You can go for the premium if yeah. you want. Yeah. yeah, if the base level tee is that, then I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on, son. Uh, but yeah. I'm thirsty. Okay, so back in episode, way back in episode... 32, David and Ethan. That's right. Went up to Washington, the state of Washington, uh-huh. and uh, sat down with the proprietors of G- Garden Path Fermentation. Remind right. us uh, what, what their jam is there. So uh, they they got they have roots in right here in Texas. Uh, actually, yeah. roots even before that. But uh, I came to know them when I was living in Chicago. Uh, Ron and Amber, who who own and run the brewery, yeah. Um, they worked for many years with Jester King, helped open Jester King, mm-hmm. and Ron Extract uh, was a brewer there. And they would decided... never use an extract, though. No, he wouldn't. Isn't that interesting? Huh? And uh, <laughs> and then they moved up to the great state of Washington. They wanted a slightly different environment. They wanted to play around. They really wanted to see how much they could possibly source from the local environs. And so they they thought it would be fun to try that up in Washington State. So they started up this new 
I say new, but now they've been around for almost four years. New brewery project, um, although they call themselves a fermentary or the, it's Garden Path Fermentation, yeah. not Garden Path Brewery, uh, in part because they also do meads. Um, they, they do other kinds of uh, uh, ciders, other Fantastic. fermented projects. So. I was excited when you shared that you had grabbed another bottle of theirs. The reason why I did not appear on last week's Leftovers episode was we recorded it, and then the, we had technical difficulties, and you guys had to re-record it without me. That mm-hmm. will come up again, by the way. It was a jealousy. Um, I know what it is, too. But and I did it on purpose. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I was traveling, and yeah. I stopped in Houston on the way home and found a fantastic bottle shop, premium premium draft, spelled the old fashioned way, D-R-A-U-G-H-T. If you are in Houston, you go there. They had like 15 taps uh, and then a huge bottle selection. Mm-hmm. And I saw this garden path and I was like, we're gonna revisit garden path. So yeah. this is their Ron's Not Bitter. <laughs> so, uh, the, it, it's their Native yeast fermentation that they always do, but it's their take on a classic UK style bitter. It was brewed with roasted, unmalted rye, hopped with PNW Fuggle and Golding hops, and keg and bottle conditioned with local blackberry honey. Ooh. So we're getting started off right at 5.3 ABV. And I know where we're going with beer today. Maybe we should start light. Yeah. yeah that was smart, Joe. Modest I think. beginnings. Yeah. Get, get us something uh, just to get loosened, but not too. Over the top, uh, inebriated because we, we got a lot of business. Well, to y'all ready to. to start the Bammies? Let us commence. Okay, David, you're going first. Okay. This is our honorable mentions. These are films that do not appear in our top five, but we want to say their names at least one more time. Okay. Um, to be quite honest, I did not know we were doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- there's a lot of films I could put in this. I think, if I remember correctly, we try to kind of keep it to about five, maybe so that we end up with sure. kind of around ten mm. overall once we've counted through our top five. But for me, those films that just didn't quite make the cut for my top five, uh, but but still need to get the love uh, from from our listeners and, and from me, uh, Lamb. Is is, mm-hmm. is is right in there. That's kind of like my number ten this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I love I love that film. I, I thought it was uh, you know it, uh, <laughs> strange to be sure, but but I thought what it did it did effectively and it kind of stuck with me. French Dispatch. Okay. Also comes wow. in there. Didn't make okay. it number okay. nine. Mm. Love the film. Okay. I mean, again, all of these are great films. Of course. But it, when it comes to what are the films that stuck with me, what are the ones that I, I feel like I'm going to be drawn back to the most uh, readily. Just didn't quite make it to the top five. Dune at number eight. Okay. Is there for me? Um, you know. Did not expect that to be in your top five. So that really? Fits. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not in my top five, but in the, the honorable mentions, you're saying it didn't expect it. Yeah. No, I, I like I didn't expect it to make your top five. So it being in the honorable oh, mentions okay. makes sense to me. There we go. Okay. Um, Annette. No, mm, number now seven. that is a surprise. You thought that was going to be in I the top for five? Sure, number one with a bullet. Not, uh, maybe not one number one, but yeah. I expected it up there. I, it, you know, f- around the time of seeing it, I felt like it had a strong chance to be, if not my top film, one of the top films. Mm-hmm. I, I really loved so much of what it did, mm-hmm. and and I will return to it. Believe me, and I yeah. have listened to the soundtrack many times. The soundtrack's since. good, and yeah. it, it's funny that you say that because we talked about that last week when discussing Belfast that. 
if we had recorded an episode the week that you saw it yes and actually did it proper on the show you probably would have been more fond of it and it seems like that might have happened a little bit a little diminishing that. returns over time I, th- I think it goes both ways right yeah. there are those films that after you sit for a little while and you think about it you're kind of like, yeah that wasn't quite as great as i thought it was at or some the time. can gain esteem but then there are others that you kind of oh yeah. wait this has me still thinking about it okay and then kind of rounding out the those five that won't be in my top 5 the green knight Mm, okay. Oh, interesting. Okay, didn't make it. Didn't make it to my top well, number five, six, but number close. Six, yeah. Yeah. close, very close. Teetering on the edge. Yeah. Uh, and before you start, Carlos, okay. I mean, we don't know what each other's going to say tonight. I like to not know. We we I know I have heard y'all's opinions on every single film that we've reviewed. I heard your opinions about the leftovers episode mm-hmm. last week. But if part of the fun of this is playing Clue and trying to figure out what y'all's number ones are. I don't even want to say what I think y'all's number ones are, but I have written them down over here, and I will be correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, most of these, spoiler alert, don't appear anywhere on my list uh, in any of, the, any of the categories at all, and some in a way that I, I really struggled and went back and forth with. Um, but... In no particular order, because again, I did not know. Where, thankfully, the way that I made my top five was I wrote down all the films that could potentially be in oh, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a list of my the ones that Didn't I held the most close, esteem. Not quite, yeah. Well, the list includes some of the ones that made it. I had to sort anyway. Um, okay, so again, in no particular order, Nightmare Alley really loved it. Uh, I watched uh, it again. I liked it so much better the second time. They did a really? black and white screening of it at Alamo last oh, wow. week and that I wish I would have gone to that. Uh, so Nightmare Alley definitely makes it in there for me. Uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. Ooh, Honorable mention. I loved that movie. That movie. It was really it was good. So glad really, you mentioned it. Really, really fun and I think that fun films deserve to be sure. acknowledged. Uh because that's part of why we go to the movies is to have a good time. Matrix Resurrections. Uh, not on your top five. Not in my top five, no. Um, but wow. but again, this is the list of things that could have potentially made my top five. So it was yeah. in the running. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to. No, David didn't say a word. It was in the running. Um, uh, I just I I personally liked what it, I know. It's getting a lot of flack for all the meta ness and people wanted more bullet time and things like that. And like people are like, "What? It's a love?" Story. I've heard, literally heard people be like, "Oh, isn't it a love story?" It's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's tight. You, people need post apocalyptic love too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves. Finally, I love yeah. them both. Sure. Uh, especially together. Okay. Uh, what do I want to do next? Fast Nine, because they went to space. I mean, they went to fucking space, let's be real. See, I was thinking when you slid Gunpowder Milkshake, that might have taken your fun action movie slot in your... But, okay, I'm glad there's room for both. Well, no, Fast Nine. Well, um, (laughs) the last one's Candyman. Ah, good choice. And that... And that one, I will say, is my number six. I feel confident about putting that specifically at number six. The other ones can ebb and flow. Right. uh, But Candyman is definitely... Uh, a strong honorable mention. I'm going to list four films that did not make it into my top five. Three of them easily could have. St. Maud. Oh. Uh, did that come out in 2021? We decided that we're going to count it in oh, okay. 2021. Well, then... Uh-oh. <laughs> well, then take out Fast 9 and put St. Maud in there. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I know the three of us really, really love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, the Lost Daughter. Uh, talk about a movie that sticks with you after you've seen it. Mm-hmm. And Olivia Coleman, she did not get a, you know, spoiler... My best performance that's coming up. Yeah, but, uh, she could have. 
Could have, yeah. Uh, the Killing of Two Lovers. You guys discussed it last week. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there is a subjective piece of that film. People that have gone through a separation or maybe a divorce. I mean, they got that aspect of that film so right. Mm. And not in a marriage story way, you know, oh, where it's God. just two people screaming at each other. It's like, we got no. kids. We're trying to, we got to stay civil. But at the same time, there are big chasms between us. Yeah. Um, and any of those, like I said, could have slipped into the top five okay. spot. That one movie, though, that I consumed the most in 2021, but I didn't include it because although it went to theaters for a weekend and I was there to watch it, did not have a theatrical release, which I guess in 2021 doesn't matter. But it, it's just a different animal, and that's Bo Burnham's Inside. Yeah, it, it did. Yeah, it was there for. Yeah, it was there for that weekend. It counts as a film. Yeah, yeah it's over an hour long. Uh, I had such an emotional connection to that as many, many, many people did. Um, yeah. uh, I didn't even like suggest that it be included in, yeah. in my okay. top five. Yeah, but, it, it's a, yeah. I mean, because it it borders on the like stand up special thing, and you wouldn't right. normally put a stand up special in your right. top five. Right, right. It's so, obviously more than that. Yeah, but, you yeah. Know. It's a musical comedy. But yeah, if you yeah, haven't yeah, seen yeah. it, check it out. It's a, yeah, it's a beautiful piece of art that, that was fantastic in the pandemic. But uh, let's talk a couple movies. Number five. Did, was that that was only four, wasn't it? Oh, we didn't. He have, only we did didn't four have rules. I oh, only did four. Okay, no. yeah. okay. I didn't uh, want to tip my hand too much. I'm keeping you guys guessing <laughs> as to what's on my top five. So I'm doing number five. Yeah, uh, number five. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Let's take a sip Let of that me clear my uh, throat. Uh, <laughs> uh, episode one seventy eight. So pretty recent. Tragedy of Macbeth. Obviously, Dang. it was going to be in the top five. I made a very declarative statement. You did. At, in that episode that this is a top five movie of the year. And of course it is. I, I And I don't feel that I need to speak on it that much because we just very recently covered mm-hmm. it in great mm-hmm. depth. But the look of it is incredible. I love it. Uh, all the performances are great. I love it. Um, the kind of augmenting of the story to focus in on like, you know, a little more specific part of it. Um, and... I don't know the way the themes that it covers and how it's like still like relevant today is in a weird way. It's like plays fucking old as shit, you know. I know, and and I just thought every all the performances oh, in yeah. it were good, and yeah, uh, that black and white cinematography. And I thought was... the I thought the soundtrack was, uh, the score uh, was great as well. Yeah. Uh, Carter Burwell underrated, I, in my opinion, he's not someone that I feel like gets a ton of love in the. Uh, film scoring department, despite the and, and and you know maybe it's because the Coen Brothers have a kind of comedic tinge to a lot of their That's movies. Fair. And when yeah. you're thinking about comedies, you're not thinking about like you best don't score think about the drama of the music. Yeah. Uh, but every movie I've seen that he has done, I've thought the music was great in it. So that is uh, a very easy number five for me. My number five, we also watched recently. Uh, it won the Palme d'Or earlier this year, Ooh, okay. and uh, we put Titan on our radar at that point, and I am so glad we finally did it, along with uh, Julia Decorno's first film, Raw. Uh, we, we we saw an episode right there uh, where where a love for another filmmaker, yeah. someone who I intend on seeing everything she ever makes, 
uh, emerged, you know, was birthed that day. Uh, I don't really need to go into the the, the plot uh, synopsis again because we just did it. Go back to episode 179. You know, there's... Um, yeah, it was two episodes uh, ago. There's plates and heads. There's erotic dancing at car shows. There's sex between cars and people. There's serial killing. There's gender fluidity there's family drama body horror with a heart body yeah. horror but very human uh, relationships being explored and i i've recommended titan over and over and over again to a very select type of person <laughs> it's not for everybody but uh, titan is my number five uh, film of the year well, I'm I'm Can not shocked it? at either of your selections here for for number five, and, and I'm quite pleased. Um, my number five, I don't know if it's going to shock anybody, but but it may displease. It's come on, come on, uh, Mike Mills oh, okay. uh, from episode one seventy three, just a little while back. I expected a little it to back. be higher. Um, yeah, I expected that to be higher for you too. Yeah, you, you glowed the, that day. It could have been. It could have been. Um, there were certainly around the time I saw it. I yeah. think it. Probably Again, was actually. If I'm looking at where I went, go after this. <laughs> it certainly was. It's in. Uh, it's in Kylie's top five. Yeah. Oh it, yeah. Maybe her top three. I mean it. Is just I said it on the episode, uh, but I'll say it again. It is just a wonderful little slice of life kind of film uh, about you know a small group of characters. It's very intimate, but at the same time, it kind of has America. This kind of road trip as its backdrop um it, at times I, I loved it the cinematography i thought was excellent i just love seeing the film you know literally looking at it on mm-hmm. the screen um everything came together beautifully you great use the, you know this is kind of a, another category but um you know two films this year had great use of the pre-Velvet Underground song, The Ostrich, written by <laughs> Lou Reed. <laughs> this primitives. is one of them. Yeah, right, the this is one of them. The other one, of course, is the Velvet Underground documentary. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> but that I got to hear that song pop up in two great films this year um, made me really happy. So come on, come on. Highly recommend my number five for 2021. Well, let's keep the party going. Here's my number four film of the year, and it came to the show late, and it came to the show hot, and your discussion of it last week without me made me very, Wait, very hold on, hold jealous. On. Hold on, what's happening right now? The number four He's film going of the in year. number four. At number four, okay. Yeah. Spider-Man We've Noel. only had like a couple sips of a 5.3, Carlos. The night is young. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was disappointed that I wasn't in the room with you guys when, we dis- when you guys discussed it. Um... When you when we judge a film, right, subjectively, we're going to go through the categories, right? The cinematography, the story, the, mm-hmm. the text, the subtext, the acting. But then there's that subjective portion that where a film speaks to you, to me, that might not speak to you, David, or you, Carlos, right. exactly the same way. And the food scenes in Pig and the food as a theme and a chef trying to not just regain his notoriety as the master of the town, but using it to find a fucking pig, his companion, this thing that he loves in the wake of his um, wife who has passed away, was beautiful. And uh, it's on Hulu now. And if you haven't seen Pig, it, what are you waiting on? It's 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 incredible. I thought for sure it was Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> for me, number four? Well, that we talked about that you Oh, were... yeah. Well, maybe, maybe later in the show. Yeah. yeah. So, Joe, I have the same number four. We've got to go in an opposite direction. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, you know, Pig was a film that, sadly, I did not get to the theater to see. 
Um, it ended up getting shoved into our leftovers episode. I think that's a sad. No, kind of fitting. It's wonderful though. that we got it in there. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful that we got it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is just such a great film on so many levels. Joe just kind of recounted m- many uh, things about it that that I also appreciated. But I think at its core, this like very subtle and nuanced performance by Nicolas Cage, who obviously we love on this program, but I think far too often gets just pigeonholed as the insane, over-the-top, hyperbolic Nick Cage, yeah. Yeah. which is there, and we did Willy's Wonderland this year, which isn't even quite just that, but it's closer. It's closer. Um, you know, to me... It's pig- definitely in Prisoners of the Ghostland. Yeah. Yeah, you explained that. <laughs> yeah. Right. He goes over the crazy. top. So it's wonderful to see him do one of these really dialed-in performances in service of such a great story that had just wonderful layers to it as it went on. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about how, based on the trailer, how it kind of seems to be one thing, maybe closer mm-hmm. to a John Wick. But then once you get into it, you realize it's much more about loss and love and vocation and identity. And who it, 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 there's so much going on identity there. Identity for sure. As Joe already said, if, if you haven't seen this already and you have your monthly subscription to Hulu... What are you doing? Pause the episode. Go watch it. Come back. Yeah. If he had done an over-the-top thing, I I wouldn't have enjoyed this film as much. No, it wouldn't have fit. And and that's the thing is that... I'm a crazy mountain man! I mean, yeah. yeah. But but he... But but he... uh, He understands the assignment always. Mm -hmm. Whether he executes well is a different thing sometimes I mean, he, he makes intense choices but they're choices that largely are in line with the scripts that yeah. he's working with he, like he doesn't he, he's an adventurous daring actor and that is what oftentimes turns people off is because to him the idea of realism is not the most important thing to him no. You know what I mean? So sometimes he makes choices that he feels are in line with the character or an emotion or a theme that can be very bold. And with Pig, I think he understood exactly what the movie was getting at and what the tone of the film was and knew that, okay, yeah, my eyes don't need to bulge out of my head in this movie. I don't no. need to do a lot of yelling. You know. Well, so, some of my most special moments on the show are when we find that director you know that auteur mm-hmm. Julia Decorneau with Titan. Uh, for me, it's uh, are you are you moving, Michael? Are no, you moving on? No, I'm just saying oh, Michael okay. Sarnowski as the director of Pig. Oh, okay. I'm eager to see what he's got. For sure. Now his next stuff is going to be Quiet Place Three, oh, and we yeah. discussed oh, Quiet right. Place Two on yeah. this year. Yeah, I mean, good for you. Get paid, you know. But I didn't like. I mean, I, I no, Quiet I'm, Place Two didn't connect with me, but I'm. Okay, I'm very curious. I don't think I'm going to see You got an interesting director partner. who I really enjoyed this work. So let's see where it goes. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think I don't think that's for me. <clears throat> what if they get Cage in it? Then I'll go. <laughs> that's a done deal. Okay. Uh, yeah, how does Nick? How does Nicholas Cage had Nick Cage flip it to not uh, to not be a good person to live in quite a quiet places world? You know, <laughs> come on, you monster. <laughs> Were he in West Side Story, I would have gone to see it. You know, these are the, these are the things. Um, my my number four, and I think I think my top five might have a kind of running theme of cinematic joy 
and wonder although tragedy of macbeth kind of i guess the wonder, <laughs> i guess i mean it, i guess the there, wonder part of it but, there's certainly the, to the visual splendor of yeah. it there, there's something uh but my number four is dune I just yeah. thought yeah. it looked great. I would have been shocked if that wasn't in your top five. I thought the fucking like design of everything. I mean, I'm in I'm in the midst of reading, you know, this the novel. This, this novel and the way they describe things and stuff. I'm just like, I mean, they his interpretation of it visually is fantastic. I thought that I thought all the acting was great. Oscar Isaac's in anything probably gets it at least in the top ten. Uh, Hans Zimmer's score uh, is kind of in a cliche way, I guess. Like it's cliche to be like, Hans, what a great score, Hans Zimmer. Like, yeah, everybody knows Hans Zimmer and the like crop of people that he has scoring films for him are immensely talented. <laughs> uh, but it just works because everything's so epic and Hans Zimmer's scores are so fucking huge, you know? And just all the pieces fit together mm-hmm. in a way where. You, it just can't not be up there, you know? Maybe if one thing was really off, like maybe, you know, if they cast Ben Platt as Paul Atreides, then it would be like, okay, you know, maybe not. But uh, that's a Dear Evan Hansen dig yeah, for yeah, everybody I, I, playing I, along at home. People are... Uh, but it's great, Which yeah. is my number three. So that... <laughs> people are fond... People are fond in a cult, campy way of, of Dune that David Lynch did. Yeah, but many people have said that Dune, and you know, we of course did Jodorowsky's Dune mm-hmm. uh, documentary, which you should see here on the show. It's it's an unfilmable um, thing. They say I thought that he did a fantastic job. But that's I, what they said about Princess Bride too. They said you cannot adapt this book. There's no way mm, that it can be done. Yeah, and then you know, but so do, Rob do, Reiner was like, "Hold my beer. hold my beer." <laughs> Dune sequel coming 2023 fuck yeah it is i'm excited about that me too uh, me too so excited and i'll be certainly almost done with the book by then at least <laughs> <laughs> well, over well a year guys i don't i don't want to throw things into uh, a bad situation here but i'm about to open another beer so <laughs> oh, we got a rogue beer guys number one before we get to. into that we should probably say something about ron's not bitter because I think this is a pretty fantastic uh, bottle that you've started us off with, Joe. I'm going to say that the 5.3 went down so smooth. We yeah. killed this bomber uh, really quickly. Uh, yeah. Probably because we were flapping our gums so much and needed something to you know, well, moisten true. our mouths. But Keep this, things lubricated. This did a great job. I didn't really taste that um, honey that they were talking about. Subtly. To I me, it was yeah. a very straightforward kind of farmhouse, eh, all the spontaneous fermentation, that, that characteristic flavor that you get with the Jester Kings and these garden paths. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it has that with farmhouse breweries like uh, Garden Path, like Jester King, like Oxbow that we had last week. They do so much with their house cultures um, that that's just so distinctive. So there is this kind of like rich flavor profile that's just there because of the that, you know, sort of, you know, mix of yeast and microorganisms that they're using. Uh, But but in terms of like the body in this, it's really kind of nice and light um a little malty a little maltier than a lot of farmhouse ales a little darker in a, in a certain sense at least in the malt bill um but so tasty i i was yeah that was really easy to throw back yeah, i was glad, glad we could revisit it again yeah i enjoyed it it was my first time 
having a garden path yeah. beer. So well, good start. Well, we'll make sure we get more. more. Now we're getting them in Texas, so yeah. that, that's an exciting thing. We, we can pick it up here. Um, well, this beer that I'm going to open, kind of a weird one uh, in the sense that, you know, last week we did the leftovers episode and, uh, and I brought something from the cellar and, I, and I'm kind of clearing out. Like I, I'm, I'm just trying not to hold on to things anymore and age them. We'll see how this turned out, guys. I have had this bottle sitting in a cabinet or, or some dark space for the last... Oh, geez. We're going on almost seven years here. This is from 2015. Um, And and funny story, this is from Carbach Brewing Company. Oh, boo! Yeah, right. Well, on this show, we tend not to go with those breweries that have been... uh, purchased by those large macro conglomerates. David, uh, I hate to say that uh, this was your last episode on the podcast Yeah, for bringing an AB InBev And here. yet, I might get by on a technicality because this 2015 bottle of their bourbon barrel Hellfighter, uh, aged in bourbon barrels with vanilla, was from before their AB InBev, uh, InBev buyout. So this okay, was well, brewed in a Thank truly craft God. brewery. Um, Says the show that drinks Bourbon County. Yeah, no, we we have no uh, such hard line. But I do find it an odd curiosity, and it's the last bottle that I have of theirs from pre- AB InBev. Oh, this bio. is an occasion then. So yeah, let's let's see if this holds up Perfect after a almost episode. seven years. I do, I do, I do like this series that they did uh, pre buyout. The Hellfighter stuff was good. I thought. I can't. Wait there was to like try. an orchard. Uh, actually. Pre-pan, pre-pandemic oh, more. Uh, I'm getting getting soy sauce on that. Oh I, I, no, guys! I don't know. We'll, we'll try it, but this this may uh, not be one that. What we're did you say wanna... the ABV was? Uh, gosh, did I say? Oh, I you know. know what? It's not on the bottle. I'll look it up. Well, pre-pandemic, David had some people over. Uh, and you had like a four ver- yes, variety yes, pack yeah. of this that was in like the 12 ounce bottles. Uh, and there was like an horchata one that was really good. That I'm was bummed good. to hear about your initial. Uh, Smelled? Did you test. taste it or just give just, it a whiff? Just the whiff. Just, just. I'm not going to pour too much in you case I have Joe to. Or not? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It. A little bit. Uh, well, hopefully, well, I've got the- a, I got a little bit of my curry left, so I'll probably pour some of this on. <laughs> hopefully, eleven percent. Hopefully, 11%. this will not be a disappointment. But there were some disappoint, disappointing films in 2021. Are we going to have a cliffhanger about that? Are we into, well, no, we'll talk about the flavor in a little bit, but are we, are we on to most disappointing? <laughs> yeah, the, the most disappointing film for you in 2021. Well, guys, this one, maybe it will be a surprise to you. Maybe it won't be. The Nowhere In. Uh, mm, yeah. This was a film that, that I was so wanting to see from the moment I heard it was happening. St. Vincent, Carrie Brownstein, uh, you know, the, it just it just seemed like a match made in heaven, and like Dakota I was, Johnson, Dakota Johnson, and Dakota who, who Johnson I've come thing. around on. I, yeah, you know, same. The, uh, but it just did not come together. I mean, I, I, there were things there that I could like. Um, certainly, the music was was a high point. But just in terms of like the concept coming together and becoming something that I was truly captivated by, never happened. And to have people who I hold in such high esteem putting together something that felt so lackluster, big disappointment. Yeah, the synopsis was a fantastic conceit. Mm. And it, it, I tend to kind of agree with you. Not my most disappointing, I'll tell you that in a second. But 
it was um, it, it didn't live up to the hype I had made for it. Yeah. Well, you know, we're all wrong from time to time, and I we think are. that that's okay. Um, the Nowhere End was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> my most disappointing film might ruffle some feathers. Oh, I think I know where this might be going. What do you think it is? Before I say it. I'm going to guess licorice pizza. Oh, no. Oh. I, I made it a very strong point for that to not appear anywhere on my list. I'm done talking about it. Okay, well, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, How many times have you seen three films in the theater, David? We know what's going on. Well, yeah, for sure. But I, I'm done being the one to bring it up and sure, not sure. negative. Like I, everyone knows how I feel about it at this point. My most disappointing film was Lamb. Oh. Yeah, you were not a fan. I thought the trailer looked so fucking interesting. Oh, that is so and disappointing to me. It is boring. Mm. It is super boring. Uh, it's the kind of film that if I was working on Sword Collector, I might have on in the background for ambiance because uh-huh. the images are nice. Yeah, it's a gorgeous film. But if I'm if I'm sitting down and I'm watching a movie and that's all that I'm doing, I cannot watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be on my phone instinctually. Can't uh, argue with your subjective point of view there, but I'd love to argue with your subjective point of view there. I love I love <laughs> I love Lamb and here's another little like I didn't mention that in my honorable mentions. Lamb was in my top 5 until we saw two recent movies, one of them being Pig, well, Pig and Titanic, actually, knocked Lamb out of my oh, top yeah, those five. Are also, I will say, uh, before we get any farther, with regards to my honorable mentions, I tried not to double up on stuff in categories. Mm-hmm. David and I talked about this a little bit on Friday, because I was struggling with it, because there were a couple of things that mm-hmm. were mentioned twice, and it's like, well, do I want to talk, like, Spread I want to talk about as many films as possible, because there were so many that I liked, so anyway... What's your most disappointing, Joe? I feel like I'm going to be. Upset. I love the movie Coming to America. Oh. I love it. And I really hated this completely unnecessary sequel mm. to a film that yeah. I love. That that was that would have been my other disappointing. If yeah. Nowhere in hadn't happened this year. Okay. Ho- okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Coming to America is so much worse than anybody could interpret Nowhere in being. Yeah, but I didn't have high hopes for it in the way that okay, I did okay. for Nowhere yeah. End. Okay, so that, okay. That, I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. I'll allow okay. it. Thank you. But I, but, and, well, no, I thought he was saying in, in Coming to America is better than Nowhere End. How, how far I fell from expectation okay. to reality. That's fair. Yeah. Coming That's fair. to America was a shorter fall. That's fair. Just Coming to America, I guess it was the strength of Dolomite is my name. I mean, mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy yes. was firing. You know okay. what I mean? And, and, and there's so much to mine here for potential comedy. Have y'all ever heard of a movie called Mr. Church? Uh, uh, uh. Hmm. So there's that big gap in Eddie Murphy's filmography, right? From 2013 to 2019, a thousand words where he like can't speak. So you take away the only thing that makes him appealing and make a movie out of it for whatever reason. And then he comes back kind of triumphant return from hibernation and Dolomite is my name. But that is in fact not the case. He was in a drama Uh in 2016 called Mr. Church. And I had I've literally never heard of this movie until today. It was directed by Bruce Beresford, okay. who's an Australian director. Yeah, yeah. Driving Miss um, Daisy. Yeah, he's done Oscar <clears throat> stuff. Yeah, and uh, written by Susan McMartin. And the synopsis is: Mr. Church tells the uh, story of a unique friendship that develops when a little girl and her dying mother retain the services of a talented cook, Henry Joseph Church. What begins as a six-month arrangement instead spans into fifteen years and creates a family bond that lasts forever. And Mr. Church wow. being Eddie Murphy. Anyway. Well, coming to America sucked. 
I, I doth not <laughs> yeah, protest. Th- 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 you're not going to hear anything different. <laughs> yeah, from it was very disappointing to me. I think it was uh, something I was looking forward to in our like 2020 yeah. uh, most anticipated films. And it just e- fell flat. Yeah, it just it was not a good follow up to Dolomite is my name. And we'll see where he goes from here. But now it's time to talk about our most surprising film. Kind of the opposite. Zero expectations, but it really did a good job. It's not beer next. Nope. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> most surprising film. Uh-huh. You know, so it's interesting that you say this because this is where my desire to not talk about licorice pizza came in because I was going to go the surprising in a negative way and just be like, I'm surprised how bad this movie is. Uh, but I, but, but I didn't do that despite the fact that I just said it. Uh, my most surprising film is Candyman. Oh, Candyman okay. fucks. That movie is really and, good. And you didn't expect uh, going into it. And it I did not expect good. it going yeah. into it. Like, uh, I, you know, we watched the original with it, which I watched first. And so it wasn't a film that I, the original wasn't a film that I had like grown up with or had like this really like strong kind of passion for or anything like that. And I was just like, Oh, they're remaking this thing. Um, <clears throat> and I went into it and at the end of it, I was like, that was re- like, I think when people started asking me about it before we did the episode, uh, oh yeah, did you see it? What did you think? I was like, instant classic, instant classic horror movie. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, didn't see it coming. I knew Da Costa might get me into another Marvel movie. Probably not at this point, but I'm very what's, uh, why. What's she's doing one right? The yeah. Marvels. Yeah. Is she okay? I just yeah, 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 yeah. She's that's her next thing that she's directing a Marvel mm-hmm. movie. Uh, probably not, but whatever she does after like the. That's one for them. The next one right. for the, her. The movie that I'll, she'll I'll be, be able to make after that. Yeah. Great episode of uh, Films to be Buried with, with Brett Goldstein. I've probably mentioned that before, but it's a really good episode. Uh, but yeah, that's my most surprising was Candyman. I that's thought good. it was uh, I thought it was great. Well, I, I certainly enjoyed that one. Um, it wasn't my most surprising, though. My most surprising was Plan B, uh, mm. which we saw way back in the spring yeah. uh, when yeah. that dropped on Hulu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, uh, you know, Natalie Morales uh, d- directing uh, a couple kind of young newcomer-ish uh, folks who've been in some things, uh, Victoria Morales and Kuhu Verma. Mm-hmm. I'm probably butchering her name, but... Um, One just, from Corpus. W- that's right. N- Natalie Morales, yeah. I've, uh, I've, Victoria. Yeah. I, I Natalie, Natalie Morales is the director. Yes. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a fun sort of, uh, you know, road movie slash coming of age slash, you know, one night in the life of these teenagers as they're trying to do this great... It, it had lots of funny scenes. I was laughing out loud. I've recommended it to many people. I know we weren't maybe all in lockstep, but but I think I made my case on the episode when we covered it, uh, which was way back in episode 145. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, uh, Candyman was 158. I don't yeah, know if I said that. That, uh, you know, th- this was just, I think, a very solid film from many respects. And I have rewatched it since and enjoyed it just as much. So to me, Plan B came... Somewhat out of nowhere. We, I, I yeah. feel like we picked it kind of on a lark. There wasn't a whole lot coming out right then. Yeah. We're like, okay, well, here's this new movie that's dropped on Hulu. Definitely did not make it our most anticipated list. No. And and so I, I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to see more from uh, from Natalie Morales. And, yeah. Also, I would just like to say that I have this image of our listeners listening to this episode with a pen and paper and jotting down the episode numbers. As we go. <laughs> I don't think anybody's doing that, but that's why. No, I, that's we'll, how I we'll, see them. We'll push it out on social media. You know, we'll, we'll remind people. Yeah. 
I watched a film that was put on a bunch of lists and we have not discussed it on the show and it should have been on our Leftovers episode. I don't know mm-hmm. why I didn't suggest that it would be. Although the only one that it would have appeared on, because I think I'm the only person that's seen it, would have been on the one that we recorded but was too technically messed up to use when I was fucked up. By the way, I was so drunk. No, we, really we mentioned drunk. Tick, Tick, Boom. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. I promise you. <laughs> tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, Kylie's review. I got to have a talk with her. Yeah. Um, but it is. Um, it's on, it was on Netflix. I just knew the name of it. I had a free whatever. I turned it on. And it's, um, it's called Passing. I, oh, I, yeah. I think I've discussed yeah. it on the show. But it yeah, stars Tessa Thompson and Ruth. Her last name is spelled N-E-G-G-A. Nega. Uh, who play two childhood friends who meet again as adults in New York City in the 20s. And passing refers to, I guess, a common practice at the time where if you're a light-skinned kind of African-American complexion, you can pass as white and have a... A, a, a world and a life that is free of a lot of the <coughs> discrimination that might have been going on if you were if you were identifying as as black and directed by Rebecca Hall. Right yes, that? directed yeah. by Rebecca Hall, who you talked about last week as the star of the Nighthouse. The Nighthouse, yeah, really um, like her. One of the two, the one of the two friends is passing, mm-hmm. married to a white racist, played by uh, Alexander Skarsgård. And it's just a fascinating look at kind of race, that time in history, mm-hmm. the cost of friendship. And it's got a tragic ending, which I won't spoil. It just comes out of nowhere. It, it's on Netflix now. You should yeah. watch Passing. I have been wanting to watch that. Yeah, I check it out. Check it out. It's black and white cinematography. It's fantastic. Oh, interesting. And it's my turn to do the number three beer of okay. the year. We talked about movies all, all, all night so far. Let's talk about some beers. Mm-hmm. Um by the way, we discussed 56 2021 releases in 52 episodes. You know, we'll typically do a new release in an older film. So mm-hmm. somehow we snuck four more in. It must have been during Leftovers and in January when we were really trying to, to knock some Well, we doubled out. up recently, right? Yeah. Uh, Macbeth and Swan Song. And, yeah. Uh, but I find that in my mind, I can recount actors and plots and directors for the 56 films so much better than I can for the 130 beers that we enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. In 2021. I wonder why that is. I don't know, because last year on the Bammies, you said, Carlos, I knew my top three no, easily. Mm-hmm. But I have difficulty with the beers, the top three beers. I don't have the mind, like, memory, taste connection that I do with film. <clears throat> I, it, I feel like it's harder for me to pick beers, too, especially retrospectively. I always say, like, I should take better notes as we go along so that I can review my notes. Mm-hmm. We never do it. And I never do well, it. Well, we're going to forgive you, David, for bringing a now-owned by, uh, you know, a macro brewery uh, with this Carbach, but my number three film is a macro brewery owned... Number three beer, you said. Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. That's what he meant. And we drank it on Bammies last year. Mm, Interesting. It is the Kentucky Fog variant of Bourbon County Stout. Love that Budweiser. Yeah. I will say... That didn't make my list, but it was a strong contender. Well, we do Bourbon County every year on the show. We have. I'm sure we'll continue to do it. And and our relationship with our local liquor store and Bourbon County has become the stuff of After Hours legend. (laughs) Tumultuous at best. (laughs) Got to get on After Hours. Patreon.com slash Beer Movie Podcast. 
Yeah. Uh, but this is where they added uh, Earl Grey tea, black tea, and yeah. clover field honey, all locally sourced, you know, in their area. Chicago. And it was such a complex, different Bourbon County stout than any I have ever had. And one that tea can, forward, very interesting. Yeah, it, it was very good. Uh, and it's a play on the London Fog, which is like yeah. a kind of latte type of beverage that's made with tea instead of tea coffee. And milk, yeah. Uh, yeah, tea and steamed. I, I would always get it with soy milk and there's some vanilla in there too. It's very, very good. Um, but I really like that one. And apparently it's still on shelves in San Antonio. With, with this yeah, Kentucky Fog? Yeah. Oh, I'd go grab a couple of those. Yeah, if I see one, I was, I I, My last note here was David brought the beer and I sadly, it might be the, the only one that I ever have. It was yeah. a 2020 release for them and I figured they were all long gone. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a good one. I liked it a lot. Well, Number three for me, uh, I'm going to go back to episode 124. We had the Triple Berry Shake from Great Notion. This was a fruited sour with black currant, boysenberry, marionberry, and finished off with some vanilla. And it was good. Yeah. Love Great Notion anyway. And Mm -hmm. when they put something like that together, plus it was 10%. I mean, yeah, that's right. That that was a hefty but easy to throw back kind of, uh, you know fruit concoction that was just delicious um and as soon as i was looking back over the list that one popped right out to me it was like yeah i remember really liking that so yeah triple berry shake i went out of my way to not include any of the like smoothie okay things in there um i will say honorable mention though decadent ale citra 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 i really like that ipa that was a good one but my number three (sighs) there's something i say all the time a mantra of sorts, maybe, especially in this day and age that we're in, which is uh, just because it's local doesn't mean it's good. Okay. I support local. Sure. Yeah. But just because it's local doesn't mean it's good. In this case, it is local and it is fucking fantastic. I can't wait. And that's Rebel Toad's Blue Ghost. Yay. Uh, fruited Sour. That that uh, was a close contender for me. I fucking loved that It was that a great beer. beer. Um, really, really liked it. It's gone now uh like a ghost like a ghost their 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 peach to bay was really good too um almost snuck in but i definitely wanted because i i do feel like we had some 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 solid really solid great local beers this year yeah uh especially from rebel toad and obviously they're the homies as well um and so i wanted something local represented on my list uh and this one just was an absolute no-brainer i went went to the brewery several times to get it brought crowlers home i mean i made sure you got it while you could that i took advantage of it while it was there makes sense so definitely a strong number three and actually now that i'm thinking about it Great probably call. should have been number two i think i wanted would switch my two and three but the, we'll stay with number three we'll keep right. a note of that uh when when we get to your number two then i guess yeah the interchangeable with the uh, rebel toad blue ghost yeah Number three film of the year, and then we can talk Ooh. about this Carbach. Number three film. This has already been mentioned on this episode. The Lost Daughter. Mm. Uh, th- this is a oh, film I can't blame you. that I really loved um, and enjoyed. And I think, you know, on the episode, which was episode 177, I, I think I made that clear. But e- even in the time since we talked about it just a few weeks back, I keep thinking back to it, thinking back to little moments, scenes, um, but both of the 
present day Olivia Coleman, also the you know the past version uh, played by Jesse Buckley. Mm-hmm. It was just incredible acting, incredible performances, married with an arresting story that had layers to it that just like unfolded in such yeah like an onion it that did it, not telegraph what these people are all about you had to come up all with all right. of that yourself right right and it doesn't make it easy to love the characters and yet you understand them yeah and you come away feeling really connected to them and, and especially the lead uh in, in in this way so i mean it's just and and to have that be maggie gyllenhaal's directorial debut featured directorial debut Outstanding. Strong. I mean, this Strong is debut. this is a film that everybody needs to see on Netflix. Um, if you weren't convinced when you listened to episode one seventy seven, take this uh, ringing endorsement of it being on my no- my number three on my annual list. That you need to see this. That's yeah, really good. What do we pair it with? Netflix? It was that. It was the Netflix kind of. Yeah, Oscar we did band. that one, and uh, I'll have to look at the list. Shit, yeah, I don't um, it, it, that one is not in my top five. <laughs> so, it might have been. Don't look up. It was. It was. Which which actually was it just just grazed my honorable mentions. Uh, yeah. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> um, ringing endorsement. <laughs> it's almost honorable. Grazed. Uh, no, I mean, out of 56 films oh, to yeah. be no, a contender for top 10. There are several that, I mean, know. that have already been mentioned. Uh, Nightmare Alley. I mean, like yeah. there are films that I loved. 2021 was a bounty of good movies. Yeah, we got a lot of the stuff that didn't drop in 2020. I know, uh, yeah. So... It, I'm doing number three now, sure. right? Um, this, you know, this is going to be a theme the longer this episode goes on, but this is a film that has also been discussed already. And one that while it was being discussed, I really wanted to kind of hold my cards and not, not okay. play them. My number three film of the year was Coming to America. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you kidding? No. It is absolutely no. not. <laughs> Oh, we're about to have a band fight. Oh, man. (laughs) I'll break this bottle open and (laughs) on the table. No, God, no. Well, come on. It it brought brought Arsenio back to our screens. You sold that. That was good. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, And I'm glad that for a moment my dry humor was dry. It was absurd enough to be immediately taken as an absolutely ridiculous (laughs) joke. I know. My number three, as I said when we talked about the number four, that talking about joyous kind of movie going, uh, is The French Dispatch, episode 169, Uh, the new Wes Anderson. Um, You know, it's funny because I was just, uh, I I still think that The Grand Budapest Hotel is his best movie. And so I was listening to an episode of another movie podcast that I listen to somewhat regularly about The Grand Budapest Budapest Hotel today. The episode was about it. And they were just talking about, you know, Yes, he's this kind of controlling, meticulous type of filmmaker, but not in a Stanley Kubrick beat your actors into the ground kind of way. And just like a, there is a, there is a certain amount of joy to his filmmaking and a, a whimsy, the kind of way that the humor is inserted uh, in into it and things mm-hmm. like that. And I, I just thought the movie was great. The Benicio del Toro vignette is just out fucking standing i loved mm. him in this movie uh and so it, i definitely it, it it was gonna be in there somewhere why not at number three had to be in the top five great pick loved it need to watch it again this the number three it is, it is a great pick and um 
That's all I'll say. Uh, <laughs> the number three slot was the most difficult slot for me. This film went in, it went out. It, I had to, I, I, I'd seen it twice in the theater. So I had to sit down with it and say, do I like it better than this? But um, it's a struggle. I mean, this film is a struggle. I've struggled with this film, and I think I'm awarding it for the struggle. And it's uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. Knew it. Mm. Uh, it's meandering in the best possible way that the Gary and Alana relationship and the weirdos they intersect with. It. 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 I. I, I like this film. I love this film very, very much. And it was that second viewing, I think, that certainly put it over the top, where you understand that the Sean Penn popping in and then popping out, and then I could, I could have, I could have listed fifteen other characters, uh, John Peters, uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, it, it's not about them. It's about the intersection of people in Gary and then Alana's life that help make that life that they're creating just interesting the, the universe rather that, that paul mm-hmm. thomas anderson is creating um interesting it's episode 176 just a few episodes ago uh yeah i like licorice pizza very much well you know <laughs> you've said what you're gonna say so we've been drinking uh this old old beer <laughs> that as i said when i opened it uh the, the nose was kind of making me worry here this is gonna be soy sauce there's definitely some of that. Uh, there, there's a little oxidization going on. Uh, you know, it. That said, the ABV it holds up enough. I'm I'm sipping. I even went back for a little bit more. Um, and the eleven percent is certainly registering for me. I, I know this is nowhere near what it would have tasted like if I had opened this when it was fresh, uh, or even maybe one or two years in. Mm-hmm. It's degraded significantly. Yeah. And so to me, this is a perfect reminder. Dave, do not fucking put (laughs) bottles of beer in a cabinet and let them sit there for years because best case scenario. The risk goes up. Best case scenario, they come out like a little bit milder and it's maybe a little, if something's a little hot, it comes out a little less. But more likely than not, it's just going to turn into a oxidized kind of like soy saucy papery bomb but that's part of like a craft beer journey i think because yeah. if it wasn't with you and opening this beer now we'd go to some kind of tasting or some kind of beer share bottle share that a friend did and something like this always comes out mm-hmm. and it's always presented with ooh and ah and it's seven years age and oh mm-hmm. uh, but it runs a higher risk of being a bad bottle. And I think that, and David, as much as I appreciate you holding on to it and bringing it and, and our expectations being that it's going to be a positive experience, it was a pretty negative experience yeah. for me. The soy sauce flavor comes through on the palate, not mm-hmm. just the nose. There's no hint of vanilla at all in it any no, longer that's than gone. I could tell. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I had to struggle with the small pour. And then you handed the bottle back over to me and I... <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> but I think that it's that kind of failure that we can wash away with something better with something here better. in just a Agreed. little while. Yeah, I uh, I also did not care for it. <laughs> I didn't think it was. I've had. I've certainly had worse. Yeah. Um, would I refill my glass now? And I did not. 
I got through it. Wouldn't you have loved to see Carbot go off on a high note seven years later? <laughs> now you go to bars and You town. guys were making bulletproof beer back then. <laughs> no. Now, they, no. Yeah, they, now you go to susceptible. a local bar and... Uh, you know the the, the really local distributors have tricked the bar owners yeah, who don't yeah, know yeah. any better. That I can get my Crawford you Bach have, wherever. Yeah, I go. if you have a Carbach um, selection, then you've got the craft beer audience mm-hmm. covered. <laughs> and I say, do y'all have any lo- you know cr- craft beers? Mm-hmm. Well, we got the Carbach. No, I, I'm asking for craft beers. I've educated so many bartenders on the topic; they blow me off because they're selling plenty of it. But yeah, blow you off, spitting your food. I mean, yeah, no, you, you've had a terrible. I keep a run. close eye on them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are nearly an hour in, and we're really barely halfway, halfway there, yeah. halfway know, through the yeah. episode. So we've got a lot more uh, coming up, diving deeper into our top fives, reaching the apex, uh, and also, you know, uh, d- certainly more beer uh, in the second half as well when we return. We are entering uh, the wax cap version of <laughs> or uh, segment of the program where we drink <laughs> uh, fancy ass beer that has a bunch of wax covering the bottle cap, making it almost m- impossible. Almost to get impossible. <laughs> <laughs> now this is one that which helps prevent oxidization. So that, let's yeah, yeah, we'll take that. Yeah. Um, this is one that came out quite some time ago. I don't know if it has a date on it, but I know that... Um, not 2015. Not 2015, no. But I know that the uh, fine gentleman that gave this to us had mentioned that uh, he had been needing to pick it up for a while. It's from Weathered Souls. You might remember the Black is Beautiful initiative that they started. Um, and... It's in collaboration with Long Road Coffee Roasters, which mm-hmm. uh, is a San Antonio coffee roaster established in 2017. And so we have a barrel-aged imperial stout with Colombia Wea Milagros Geisha Coffee, toasted coconut, and Madagascar vanilla beans. It is uh, a respectable 13.4%. Ooh. Let me see if I can open this. Yeah, please. This is exciting. Yeah, so, uh, you know, loyal listeners will remember we actually out, Daniel. had uh, an entire episode devoted to Black is Beautiful, yeah. where, where we drank a couple different variations on it. And then another episode where it came up again. And we'll, yeah. see, if, uh, and we'll see if Weathered Souls can redeem themselves, because the last, even though they started it, the last one we had from them was not great. The last like, beer? The last, the last uh, Black, Black is Beautiful. Black is beautiful. Yeah. One no, of, yeah, we, we yeah, because we've had I, of the ones that we had, I believe it was one of the local ones that we liked the best, yeah. right? Wasn't it uh, B and J's with the coffee? It might have been, or whoever had the the uh, oatmeal one. That was uh, oh, that was Lorelai. Lorelai. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was we that the all one? That. Yes, I think so. Yeah. That was uh, that was one I remember liking. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. So I'm, I'm getting there, guys. Yeah, no, I know. Carlos is working hard for this beer, guys, and, and so I think it's important for us to uh, you know keep in mind how much time no no look at that sound at all no but that but that the work the effort 
paid off. The cap is off. Just don't let that sweat drip into my part. <laughs> hey, sometimes you got to pay extra for that kind of action. That's Eight right. Times. Sweat equity, right? Um, so, so Carlos is getting some into his glass. And gotta get that carbock out of there first. We'll, we'll all, <laughs> yeah, I know. You really probably should have rinsed that. Um, but as he's doing that, I'm excited because we're going to be talking about what our most surprising brewery of the year 130 was. beers there's some floaties in there some of the breweries had to shock you with how awesome they were or maybe like a brewery that we had never heard of or a brewery that we haven't drank much of what you got carlos uh i'm gonna start off in a somewhat unconventional way when i the i told i told you guys that the reason or I told you guys that I had an easy time picking mm. my favorite beers of the year. Also, uh, correction, it was Blue Gosa from Rebel okay. Toad, not Blue Ghost. I said Blue Ghost, I think, but okay. it was Blue Gosa, which is a play on the Blue Ghost, yeah. which is the USS Lexington, which is in Corpus Christi Bay. Anyway, um, so the reason I had such an easy time picking out my favorite beers of the year was because looking back on that list, none of them in retrospect knocked my pants off. I felt like we had some good beers, Mm -hmm. some solid ones, but I didn't feel like there was anything where I was, there was one, but I didn't feel like there was anything that I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Uh, I thought there were a lot of good beers, a lot of solid, competent beers, and then a lot of smoothies. We did a lot of smoothies. Uh, So for me, I was surprised that there was not a standout brewery in 2021 for me. That was your surprise. There wa- there wasn't a surprising brewery, one that really swept me off my feet, one no. that really captivated me in a way that I would feel comfortable. If, if, if I picked a, a, a brewery for this, it would be utterly arbitrary. Yeah. And so I was surprised that I was not more surprised by a new brewery. Oh, in in, in last year's Bammy's, your most surprising brewery was Armadillo Ale Works because you enjoyed that Brunch Monkey yeah. Golden Stout so much. The Golden Stout. Nothing They like won that, the huh? Golden Stout Wars yeah. so far still. Mine yeah. last year was uh, Great Notion, and we didn't have any Great Notion in 2021. Yeah, we did. No, didn't we had one. I yeah. just did that. Oh. Triple Berry uh, Shake. Yeah, yeah, that was his number. Uh, but also, also, I was really okay. trying not to pick collaborations either for yeah. my beers and stuff. I, you know, I don't know. I gave myself a really weird, again, arbitrary. Well, well, some categories not, have no criteria. I don't. Yeah. I don't feel all that dissimilar from you, Carlos. There was nothing that we hadn't had before. No brewery that we hadn't had before that really knocked my socks off from a flavor or sort of execution standpoint. But there was. One brewery that truly shocked me when it was brought into this room um, when we were recording one day. Mm, I know what it is. <laughs> and that would be <laughs> a, a duck foot brewing. Oh, I thought it was going to be Corona. <laughs> no. <laughs> duck foot brewing out of San Diego yeah, with their brewery. stout mask replica. Oh, when yeah. Carlos pulled out the stout mask replica can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was shocked. And charmed <laughs> and utterly won over yeah. by See, it's funny. their can art. <laughs> it's funny. And the that, beer was good. The beer was good. The beer was good. And it's it's so funny you said that because I was this close from doing picking the exact same thing. Okay. And I only, was worried that you might. I, I, I thought, I yeah, oh, look, it's in the studio and right it now. It is. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's where it shall stay. Yeah. Uh, the, the beer was good. Mm-hmm. It was a solid beer. Mm-hmm. It was exceptional, Marketing. incredible. Yeah. 
fantastic can art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we only had one, and so it's hard to judge a whole brewery. I understand. I get it. I get it. And so but I, but and in so terms of like, if, if I had a brewery that I could get all the time that was coming up with great, uh, you know, can art and beer names like Stout Mask Replica, the yeah. play on you know, Captain with an above Stout average beer inside the can. Right. Yeah. I, a very then, again a very solid competent take yeah. on the american style yeah. very excited um so that that really made our cameron crow thank you Pete. for me yes thank, thank you, you Pete. i fucking love when shit like this happens because mine is totally a cheat i mean my most surprising brewery is totally a cheat but go along with me here prior to 2021 we had enjoyed fort worth's martin house brewing one time mm. and that was the gimmick beer the, their, the pickle their best made yeah, yeah sour best made pickle yeah um, but in 2021, we had them three more times. And then earlier in 2022, we had them for the fifth time. And David mm. offhandedly goes, oh, they're in the Five Timers Club. And now we have a fucking Five Timers Club. We do. Because yeah. Check makes, it out on beerandamoviepodcast.com. Yeah, it makes sense that if we get to five. Okay. So um, so it's Martin House for you. It is not the first time I'd had Martin House, obviously. Yeah. But I was not familiar with them enough. And then in 2021, they became a regular on the show because they delivered three great beers to us last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they became a regular. So yeah. I'm going to give, like, you know, when we hail Ingenious or uh, when we hail... Saint Jester Arnold. King, yeah, yeah, Jester yeah. King, Saint Arnold, like the, the um, ones that we champion for you to break into that extreme elite level, like Martin House did in 2021. Oh, okay. yeah. I was surprised at how much now I look forward Untitled to their stuff because in yeah. 2022, when we did um, Don't Look Up, we had their Astronaut Apocalypse, which yeah. fucking blew me away. And I'm glad I'm saying it out loud because it goes on my top three yeah. for next year's Bammies. Yeah, it's a good beer. Unless. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is early, but in, 20, in 2020, I said pretty early on that the the Fluffo Sando was in my top and three. Stayed, and it was. It stayed, yeah, stayed yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. So we decided okay. a couple of Bammies ago not to do best male performance, best female performance. We just have a single category, best performance. And I've got two runners up. Tessa Thompson as Rennie Renfield in Passing, mm-hmm. a film I can't recommend enough. And Catherine Hunter as the witches in Tragedy of oh, Macbeth. Oh, yeah. They just deserve their names being said on For the show. Sure. But instead, good, good I've picked a performance that requires a little preamble. This is not... Not, not celebrity worship or performer worship, all right? Cage matches are fun episodes, and, and his filmography is so vast that we're going to do cage matches every 50 episodes until, mm-hmm. you know, we're not doing this any longer. But the best performance of 2021 was Nicolas Cage in Pig. Well, I'll say Period. it right now. That is also mine. Is it? It is. Look wow. at us. Look it, at this, us. That go. was in the running for me. Yeah, I, it, 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 it was. It was, it was definitely right there. Yeah, the, the range, Carlos, from feeling the bliss that that character was going to feel just hanging out with his pig, yeah, and, and the and the the relationship that they had to the like deep despair of the abduction to the badassery not the john wick style but in his own way subtle downplayed way of pursuing the pig the kitchen staff fight club delivering (laughs) delivering these wisened philosophies to almost every single person that he encounters it it, it was just incredible yeah i agree i thought and you know i said it a little bit earlier 
uh, and I realized as I was saying it, I was kind of playing my hand as far as this category went, but just understanding the assignment, giving us a performance that is not necessarily what he is lar- widely known for, a very restrained performance, yeah. a very subtle performance. And actually... <laughs> Now that I'm thinking about it, I changed mine. So this that is not oh. mine. Oh. <laughs> okay, so then before you go on, I changed, I, I I changed it last Hold minute. Hold the press. I changed it last minute. And I'm glad that we're recording this before the Oscar nominations come out tomorrow. When you hear this on Wednesday, the nominations for Oscars came out yesterday. We do not know what the Oscar nominations yeah. are, but we can guess what they are. And if Nicolas Cage is not on that short list, Nicolas Cage was Better than Will Smith. Nicholas Cage was better uh-huh. than Benedict Cumberbatch. Yep. Nicholas Cage was better than Andrew Garfield. Yep. So I, I'm so glad that we don't. We'll take their fucking gift baskets, but yeah. I don't. I'm not taking their money. Yeah. You will not. Your our opinions will not be swayed by your marketing campaigns. It will not. And uh, I changed mine. You just wanted to talk more. No, no, that is actually my bad. Again, I tried to not double up on things. He, he's picking um, Cage in Prisoners of the Ghost Land right now. You do no, know that, right? He's it's still Cage. The reason that I changed mine, so Nick Cage obviously runner up because I did write it in pen that I uh-huh. he was my number one. But the reason that I changed it was because there was a debut performance from someone Ooh. that really LeBron James uh, Space Jam. <laughs> no, he was in Trainwreck, so well. he's been in films already, uh, and he did get nominated for a Razzie for that. That's right. Um, yeah. He got nominated for several Razzies. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, Titan Agatha Rousseau Ooh, uh, is what call, I changed mine to. Call. And the reason that I did it is... Do you believe the, that's her first time on film? Okay, so yeah. the reason that I changed it was because all of the things that I liked about Nick Cage's performance, I also liked about hers, but hers was her first time in a movie. And yeah. so for me, once I really and, kind of sat with it and talked and talked through yeah. it and you know to myself much less linear um, movie too uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that i and, and i was like you know what to be able to do so much as an actor emotionally without one of the main tools of storytelling being dialogue and exposition just in your uh, your physicality yeah. and your face and you know uh, your facial features and expressions and things like that i thought it was uh very impressive for a first performance in a film. And uh, so, yeah. No doubt. You I, and I, I don't see eye to eye often, Carlos. I changed mine to that. I, she would have been my honorable mention. I mean, like I thought about, She didn't yeah. make my very short list, but real close. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 she, she was right up there. And again, the only thing that made me change it to the point where I forgot that I had changed it was it being her debut puts her a little bit above Nick Cage with, you know, 30 plus years of acting experience. Sure. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, I, I think both her and Vincent Linden fr- from that film could have the easily, fire captain. Yes. Yeah. Captain. He's right. Great. Could, could have easily been in there for me. Um, great performances. Um, as I already said, Nick Cage was a close, close one for me. Alana Heim uh, w- was also very close. That's interesting. But mm-hmm. I landed on Olivia Coleman because okay. I can't, can't she take it away is from just, you. yeah. She's, phenomenal yeah. good and you know any. we've already kind of made the point that you know w- when she really popped on the screen with the favorite for us um, yeah. just a couple of years back ever since everything i see her in she just nails She's exceptional. and the yeah. lost daughter like i said it's the the film is carried by those performances 
and she just i mean she totally just does what the role the role calls for and it's not an easy thing it's not an easy character to play it's a character that should have been in many point at many points very unlikable and i never found her unsympathetic so yeah. that's a good point yeah. yeah very good point number 2 beer of the year <sighs> number 2 on the beers um, it was also one from the archives, but we drank it in 2021. It was the Jester King Spawn Raspberry and Cherry. It's such a good beer. We had back on uh, uh, the Spawn episode series 134. In yeah. Yeah, no, the Spawn series in general is great, but that Raspberry and Cherry version was just outstanding and it held up. I think it was a good four or five years old when we drank it in 2021, but uh, yeah. just just as delicious as I had remembered it being when it was fresh. And yeah, I mean, the J- Jester King always impresses me over and over and over again, and that was just a standout from, from this year for me. David, you brought us this one back in episode 164, all the way from Belgium, the Dree... The Dree Fontainen, I had to spell it out phonetically. Uh-huh. Uh, the Ode Creek. Oh, yeah, yeah, Rude. yeah. It's still available in our local stores. I have two in a cellar. I turned fucking 50 this year. Do and you, if you really? come to my, oh, yes, If you come to my wow. birthday party, I'm probably going to open one of these up. But it's spontaneous fermentation, a lot like we just had with yeah. the Garden Path earlier in the episode. Um, it's occurring in the bottle as the beer matures for at least four months in a warm room after they've already steeped cherries in this like young mm. lambic beer. Um, I just remember the balance being spot on, like sweet and sour and mm. delicious. And I look forward to opening another bottle. Awesome. Well, I will be there for that celebration. I turned 30 this year, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but it is a milestone birthday. But it is slightly. drink our youth away together. It's slightly there. It's not here yet, though. <laughs> uh, my number two beer, which also might be my number three, it might swap them yeah, out. Yeah, we, we um, heard, yeah. Casey Brewing Funky Blender. Yeah, all right. I'm liked glad it. that made it in there. Yeah, liked it a lot. A and we had a couple variations, didn't we? We had a Funky Blender and then a Funky Blender with Peach. Or maybe one you of those was off mic. Right. I think one might have been off mic. But, uh, but I or maybe one was After Hours. That's probably what it okay. was. Okay. Uh, because it was like, oh, we already had Funky Blender. Should we do it again on the show? We yeah. probably had it After Hours. No, Casey right. deserves uh, the love, yeah. But they were both... Uh, exceptional, really, really, really enjoyed them. Um, and you know, I think really, uh, deserves to be in the top three since it was kind of a farmhouse ale year for us. I feel like we went into that territory slightly more than we have in the past. They always pop up, yeah, but the IPAs took a back seat this year a little bit. And we, I think you're right. And we brought a lot of more of the sours, the fruited sours, the farmhouse ales. A lot of stouts. Like that. A lot of stouts. Yeah. Love a stout, obviously. Um, we'll I brought back two again. IPAs from the same brewery, a double and a, a traditional for us to do in the very near future. Nice. Side, side I'm very side. excited about that. Double awesome. IPA episode coming soon. <laughs> coming soon to a podcast app near you. What's next? Number two film of the year. Number two film of the year is coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> There's a running theme here, folks. Uh, actually, all f- of my five favorite films <laughs> yeah, are coming, coming number them. two America. Uh, coming five America. Coming four America. <laughs> Uh, episode 155 the green knight david lowry yeah uh, i just i 
this falls again in a strange way into my joyous movie going uh, theme that my uh, top not not a film that I would necessarily think of joy not but a, not in its not in the film itself right. but in my experience yeah. with it is yeah. the wonder and visual splendor and the yeah. like uh, I mean you know we talked about it on the episode but like that was a story or a book or a poem or whatever that I was assigned to read in school Mm -hmm. that at the end of it, even as, you know, a very defiant young man that I was like, Oh, I'm glad someone made me read that. That was fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, Where normally I was like, ah, oh, that was fine. What, what's all the fuss about? You know, I was, yeah, I was that kind of kid. Or where are the cliff notes? I'm in high school. Yeah, I don't want to fucking deal with this. But that one, you know, I kind of started taking a cry. I was like, oh, it's a poem. It probably won't take me that long. And then I was like, wait, this is fucking cool. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was so sick. Uh, and so to so see the adaptation of it, to see the this particular adaptation of uh-huh. it, which is not a very faithful one, right? Uh, not in, straightforward in a yeah. lot of ways, and th- just all of the visual wonder and Deb Patel is captivating as an on-screen presence. And, uh, yeah, I just really, uh, really liked it. And, um, it was hypnotic. It was, it it was, was, it was really like, I I hear where you're coming from. It was fucking cool is what it was. It it was a singular experience in the movie theater in 2021 for me. So I, I mean, that's why it had to be in my honorable mention. It was very close to my top five right up until the end. So I, as a, as a number two, I think it's a solid number two. Yeah, yeah, had to be in there. Uh, let me look at what I wrote. Are down we on, are you, we on to you, Joe? No, no it's your turn. But oh, I'm it's just me? looking to okay. see. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Well, my, my number two is going to sound a lot like Joe's number three because it is. Oh fuck! Licorice I thought that pizza. was your number one. I thought I know, that that was your number. I one. I knew it wasn't going to be his number one. So oh, what's left? Okay, go ahead. It, tell me. This is a film that I said when we reviewed it back on episode one seventy six. You know, I saw it three times in the theater. Mm -hmm. I got, you know, talking about joy, I got tons of joy out of watching this film. And I think that's what PTA wanted me to get from this film. Um, I, you know, I think the performances for me were just outstanding across the board. I already mentioned Alana Haim could have well been my favorite performance of the year. I, I thought Cooper Hoffman did a great job as well, and I and I love you know again the his. That's <laughs> my guess for his number one. His uh, you know the, the don't show it to him. The lineage of you know his dad, uh, you know the, the, there's just but also Tom Waits, Sean Penn, mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper. I mean there there's just a the, Christine the, the, Ebersole. The agent. Yeah, yes, you, you mentioned in the episode yes, she yes, should yes. get an Academy Award just for her for facial her facial tics. Yeah. I mean, everything in there, the soundtrack, it did so many wonderful things, I think. Uh, and and yes, it does not feel like a heavy film, and it's not a heavy film. Um, at least on its surface, it's not trying to be. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was what I needed when I saw this film. I, need, I needed an experience like that. So uh, my number two, Licorice Pizza. Yeah, I can't argue. Um, do you think Carlos will see it again in the future no, and no, appreciate it a I think bit he's, more? I think he's planted his flag. Yeah. I think he's where he is. Can't get I don't over think the this one is good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's a really funny uh, edit that my 
my buddy Chris, who does the Yikes show, everybody watch Yikes if you haven't yeah. already. Um, it was Star Wars colon licorice pizza, and it was all the young Anakin and Natalie Portman stuff from Phantom Menace set to Starman. <laughs> 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 it was really funny. Oh, I got to look at that. Wow. I'll, I'll text it to you. That's great. Uh, you know how they call every new film that comes out the cinematic experience of the year? So much so that you don't believe a goddamn word that anyone Is says it Dune? when they say that. No, it's the Green Knight. Oh, oh we have the same number two. <laughs> Virtual high five. Hell You're too yeah. far away for me to actually touch your palm. Didn't uh, see it coming. Uh, it's like I said, it's the most cinematic experience that I had. And, and when you wrong. say Dune, you're going to think, I, I wouldn't argue with that because that was a very cinematic experience as well. Well, the other reason that I said that was because as far as other people talking, I, I feel like Dune was yeah, much more yeah, discussed yeah. in this, like, especially with the whole like streaming and right. all that. Yeah. So, Seeing but, it on the big screen to me is a requirement. Um, the Green Knight? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, and, and, and Carlos, you synopsized it lovelyly, so uh, we can just move on. But yeah, Green Knight's my Green number Knight, two. Green Knight, yeah. Fucking yeah. good movie. Uh, now, the score of the year, right? It's This is so interesting because it's one of the most subjective of the film elements. False. You don't think so? No, I'm kidding. Okay, well, we'll, get, we'll get to you. <laughs> my opinion so I is went, the objective truth. Here's how I do score. I go with the strongest memories that I have of when the score stood out to me as being one of a few things, but certainly elevating the film because of its existence. Does it match the film? Last year's, your favorite score, David, was First Cow. Matches the yeah. film so well. Mine was Tenet, right? Yes, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Love Ludwig Gorenson. And that was also your most surprising film of the year. Yeah, because I expected to be over it, but... Um, so what then what I do is I put all of those into a hat, the, mem- the, the strongest memories that I have. And I could have gone with a dune. I could have gone with et cetera, et cetera. But I eventually landed on Carter Burwell's score for Tragedy of Macbeth. Nice. Uh, in case you don't know him, David, I'm sorry, Carlos, you said that he's underappreciated. He did. He does a lot of the Coen Brothers. A lot of Coen Brothers. Including yeah. Fargo and True Grit. And Carlos. He did Hail Caesar. And I'm sure, Carlos, you, under, you also know he did Twilight. <laughs> yes. I, anyway, I put all of those memories into a hat and I listened to scores yeah. Yeah. to come up with my winner. I found this quote from Burwell. I thought you guys might find it interesting. Upon seeing the stunning gray, let me start over. Upon seeing the stunning black, gray, and white photography, I immediately imagined strings, probably the influence of Bernard Herrmann's score to Psycho. But strings uh-huh. also made practical sense during COVID as the players could wear masks. Unlike oh. woodwinds or brass or chorus. So for various reasons, some creative, some practical, the score relies heavily on strings, particularly the celli, which I didn't realize was these um, the plural, plural of cello. cello. I didn't either. And basses whose Isn't pitch... Isn't it celli? Could be. C-H-C-E-L-I. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just... Celli. Celli are the shoes the girls wore in the 80s. This is the 13 and a half percent. Uh, let me quickly finish. Particularly the celli, celli and basses whose pitches don't fight the omnipresent dialogue, which Joel Cohen and I came to consider the melody of the film. In other words, the dialogue always there, Shakespearean, I the is the melody yeah. of the film. Yeah. So everything else is a background. I remember when Denzel Washington was walking to murder the the king. Mm-hmm. The score was just perfect. Yeah, shit was hard. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, mine, uh, mine is score, and it's also soundtrack. I'm kind of keeping it all together, um, and because 
it is such a good underappreciated film my soundtrack score or whatever is annie clark's nowhere in mm. music for nowhere in no surprise i'm gonna allow this one because <laughs> okay. you're focusing on the music all right uh first of all the okay so the song nowhere in is a fucking great song, great song. but when you listen to that soundtrack it's a lot of instrumental music and so that's why i allowed myself to fit it into the uh score has that, category has that been no, it hasn't and huh. i really thought it was going to but it's fucking so good and i mean there were several honorable mentions prisoners of the ghost land is a really great score uh-huh. the Candyman score was my first yeah, pick that was great that was the first that the, was close for me when i saw that score i was like it. i was like Candyman. yeah uh but then i knew that that was going to be my most surprising film and i felt like its inclusion in that category kind of encapsulates all elements of the film. And so I decided that I needed to uh, focus in on a film where the score itself was so exceptional. Uh, And, you know, David and I feel differently uh, about Daddy's Home, uh, but when has Annie Clark written a bad piece of music never. well she didn't make a bad i, not, I never not, said it not was bad. bad not I bad not bad. bad but i i certainly like that record uh a great no you do. More than you, you do you like it more than i do but but it's not a bad record by no any stretch. no um you, you know i very feel like, interested in what yours is. i feel like i have such a pedestrian pick here because you've already called it out for being that it's dune but it's dune <laughs> i mean the, the score for dune it's fucking great worked for me on every uh level it needed to uh, it was it was rich. It was dense. It had, you know, just great dramatic moments. Great subtle kind of just eerie sort of atmospheric moments. T- to me, um, it, you know, sitting in the theater watching that film, I think at least fifty percent of the impact of that was what I was hearing on it's huge. the score. So, huge. you know, w- whether it was Zimmer himself writing it or <laughs> or his army of... Uh... Allegedly, <laughs> I just want to say, Hans Zimmer's lawyers, and we know you're listening to this, allegedly. Yeah. Um, I You know, it, it, it's hard for me to deny that, that that is the score that when I hear it, it evokes the imagery of the film for me. It, Can't it, argue with yeah. you. Yeah. Can't argue with you, and, and and listening to a bunch of scores in prep for my selection, uh, it is it's it's worth owning and having on in the background. It's great. It's yeah. great. Good, yeah. good calls from everybody. Yeah, I've pulled a rogue beer out, so if you guys don't mind, well, just... yeah. Before we get onto that, I'm this. I'm mad about this. You're mad. I am upset. That you don't have another bottle. I'm upset that I let y'all have it. Yeah, in. okay. <laughs> that's You're talking about your black is beautiful <laughs> 13.4. Let me just read the side here again in case you're just tuning in. Uh, barrel, I don't know how that works. <laughs> yeah, barrel aged imperial stout <laughs> with Columbia Hula Malagros Geisha coffee. That's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. Toasted coconut. Yes. And Madagascar vanilla oh. beans. Three of the things we like most in beer. It's all it is there. It's so all fucking there. good. It's oh, this so is good. Th- th- it is a crime that. I'm never gonna have another bottle of this. We in never my life. will. It's no. never gonna happen. I'm kind of pissed because I'm smelling no soy sauce at all. <laughs> <laughs> I poured this all over my curry, and it was a very weird combination. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just so decadent. So my God, bad. the mouthfeel on this. It's, this is some of the cr- m- most sort of like just it sticks yeah. to 
the glass. The, in, the inside of my white glass, beer in a movie just, mug is brown. Yeah. Oh, it is outstanding. Well, I, in case your glass, go ahead. Well, I could I could have soloed this bottle so easily and been absolutely wrecked at the end of That's it, true, unknowing. Yeah. I would just I would have gone from zero to fucking drunk really fast <laughs> if I had drank this whole bottle by myself because it goes down so easy yeah. for thirteen point four. It is absolutely delicious. Well, and this, I'm very. I see what you have in your hand, Joe. Yeah. I am hyped about this. I got this at Premium Draft in Houston, Texas. Um, I rolled it on the table as I've been, as I've learned, you know, here. Mm -hmm. This is a uh, 450 North Brewing Company. Oh. They are. are they, we haven't had them on the show, have we? Have not. No. They are out of They're Columbus, now, Indiana. They're just now making it to Texas yeah. distribution. This is their slushy XL smoothie style sour ale with starfruit, papaya, mango, and guava. It is called, Ooh. ready? Unicorn juice. People pay serious money for these 450 North cans, or they, they did do, before. Yeah. Well, I left the price widened. tag on there in case you want to take a gander whenever <laughs> I pass it over to you. Oh, wow. And do, do they even bother putting the ABV? These are the ones that people yeah, always it's, like. Yeah, um, it's five point something. There was a big controversy Three, about this brewery. 3. Somebody like chemically tested the ABV, and it was much lower than they had advertised it. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, I don't know. I'm sure that's been fixed. That was several years ago now uh, when they were kind of at their most hyped. What does but it say on the can? There's star fruit. Guava, papaya, mango, I think. Ooh, mm -hmm. that smells good. Oh, my gosh. Star fruit, papaya, mango, and guava. Yep, I was right. God, Wonderful. Let's, let's enjoy this. We'll talk about it at the end of the episode unless someone wants to pull another rogue out. <laughs> and David, you're going to lead us off on... We're, talk, we're done talking about the best films of the year. Now it's time to talk about the worst film of the year. Oh, we're not we're not done talking about the best though because we're we still have number ones left. Oh, but yeah, before yeah. we get there, before we get there, we got to talk about worst film. And yeah, it you know it brings me no pleasure, it brings me no joy to to single out films for being terrible. But occasionally we stumble upon one or two or maybe a few that uh, yeah honorable mentions for this category. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. But but this one stood out to Coming me. Coming to America. As being particularly reprehensible. Um, and But that I didn't have high expectations going in, so I couldn't even call it a disappointment. Mainstream. Uh, ba oh. Back from episode 142. I can't say um, that you're wrong. It, that, it almost made my most disappointing. That film, I feel like maybe for like 10 or 15 minutes it had me. And everything after that was just a true chore. And you're talking about how they met at the mall. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like this could be interesting. An endurance test. It mm -hmm. was just how long can I put up with this thing? And it was only like a 90 minute movie, but it no, felt it like felt it was longer, eons. Yeah. It felt like I was there for days, sitting yeah. on my couch, waiting for it to end, waiting for the credits to roll, <laughs> waiting so, for the sweet relief of death. Yeah, ma mainstream. Sorry, folks, did not work. Yeah, it, that one, that one certainly almost made my most disappointing. I I feel like I was more excited about it for it than either one of y'all. The premise of it seemed very interesting to me. Um, my worst film of the year. Wave wave. Coming to America. It's fucking terrible. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, there it, and, so, and you're number three at the same time. It's like, three, <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a Gemini, so, yeah. you know. Uh, no, the, uh, the thing about that movie, where as mainstream, I felt like... Could, I mean, it certainly could have made this, but this 
category. But I also felt like I can give it some points for trying to have this social commentary or have this kind of perspective on social media celebrity and influencer and things like that. And so the fact that it was at least trying for something okay, I'll, it keeps it out of my worst movie of the year only because Coming to America was not trying anything. There's no reason for this film to exist. And yeah. the fact that it does exist and is so bad, it is by by a long shot the worst movie of the year. There is not a single redeeming quality about well, the, this movie. And the fact that it sullies the first film is, is sort of... It, makes it, it worse. It, 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 it is an offender. And David, let me reiterate. There is not a single redeeming quality about this film. There is no good you in it. You laughed once or twice. You did. No. Hmm. I don't blame you. What funny. I was expecting David to give me some pushback on that. Why did I did I did I make a case for it? Being or you didn't make a case for it, but you did make a case for Wesley Snipes' performance, oh, which would be a redeeming okay, quality. Okay, fair enough. And yeah. so and so I thought you were gonna. Wesley I mean, Snipes I always me. do try to find what could be pulled out. So yeah, yeah no, the, uh, yeah. but no, but no. Yeah. In months in the rear view, I'm not even gonna try. Sorry, <laughs> I thought but, you would. I thought no, you would. Okay. I thought the silver lining David Gurney would come yeah. out. He's our eternal optimist. He we is. look to him for those kinds. But of holy things. shit, that movie's bad. No, it, actually, that that is definitely one that the further away I get from it, the more I want it to stay far away. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. um, I. Uh, it's yeah, my it's most awful. disappointing film, but I found yeah. a film worse, Carlos. I doubt it. You're not gonna agree with me. Probably not. I ranked every film we watched in 2021, and this is the one that came up at the bottom twice. And I think it's because it's the How did it come there twice? Because I'm a weirdo and I did it twice. Okay. Just to make sure I was right the first time. Oh, okay. Okay, 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 okay. okay. I had to do a data Okay, okay. Um, It's the worst of... I'm on the the edge of my seat. ...manufactured flight. Let's start a franchise. Blockbuster oh God, is this F nine bullshit? No, because that's a, already is a franchise. Carlos is right. Okay, it can't a, be Fast Nine. Yeah, Mortal Kombat. Oh, Ooh, you're wrong. You're so wrong. Oh, no, hold on, hold on. It did have some cool kill scenes. So oh, that movie was. We're cool. gonna say that it does have a a redeeming quality or two. Yeah, that movie's that movie way sucks. more. Wa- that movie is infinitely more watchable than Coming to America. <laughs> If I had to choose, I'd watch Coming to America again to to gurney up my like that positive vibes about it. Pathological. Wow. Pathological. That is psychotic. That's hyperbolic. <laughs> wow. Mortal Kombat. I don't even want to talk about Mortal Kombat and waste valuable Bammy time. No, yeah. Mortal Kombat was fun. It was fun. It was fun. All right, Carlos, you're gonna tell us your beer of the year, but let me tell you what you did already. You did the, I, I know. I I know what I'm about, Joe. You know what you've you You did the uh Rebel Toad Blue Gosa. Blue and the funky blender. Yeah, can switch those. What's what the best one? one? <laughs> Any guesses? Well, I would, I, I would guess my number away. one. <laughs> okay, don't guess that. Don't guess that. Okay, so no guesses. Uh, Abraxas. Oh, yeah. Uh, Abraxas. I'm not going to argue from it. Perennial Brewing. That is a that great was one. that was the one when I was scanning the list of all the beers that we drank this year that I saw it and I was like. No contest, my number one. Nice, done deal. I didn't even have to think about it as soon as I saw it, and because it was so early in the year last year, it was uh, that I almost forgot that we had even had it in 
the 2021 calendar year. Yeah. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, a stout with fucking ancho chili peppers, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking great. David, do you mind if I go next? Sorry, call the street. Dog. No, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you mind Let's if I go, go clockwise. Because last year, we, our chaotic. number one beers were the same. Okay. I cannot imagine that what I'm about to say is your number one beer. All right. Okay. Probably not. Uh, but this is the beer that after we had it on the show, I bought it the most afterward. Okay, then. Now, that's definitely not. Okay. <laughs> and, and that's because of availability. It was available in our market. I think yeah, it yeah, still yeah. is. Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. What is it? What am I going to say? I, I, should I write it on a slip no, of paper? No, just say it. Black Ops. Black Ops. All right. All yeah, right. You're, you're right. It's um, Brooklyn Breweries, Black Ops. It's the third edition. They do it annually where mm-hmm. they age their uh, Imperial Stout in Four Roses whiskey Bourbon barrels. barrels yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a Russian Imperial Stout. It has it, it, I remember it was, it, I've had it a lot. So yeah. it was silky. It's got the cacao nibs. It's got the but not um, too heavy either. It's no, it's, no, no. It's actually kind of yeah. No, the, it, for I, what ten percent? Twelve. Just nine. Just had a can of this uh, over the weekend. Yeah. Was, Did you? It's yeah. a really good price point too. It was for a invited. four pack of a twelve point nine. It's it's fantastic. It's uh, Black Ops was my favorite beer of the year, and I love that it's readily available in my market. I could go yeah. buy it tomorrow if I wanted to. The okay. best combination of things: best beer of the year, and you can go buy it. Ooh, ooh, guys, buy it. we're going. Right around here, different beers, but same style. All of these are, are stouts that we're talking about. What could your, yours be that? Mexican Cake from Westbrook Brewing Company. Yeah. Um, also very similar one. because with the peppers, right? I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking Imperial with with cocoa nibs, cinnamon, vanilla, and habanero peppers. Yeah. Um, it was a beer that uh, I had been wanting to try for a long time. Got my hands on a bottle. We opened it up in episode 172, and it was just what I wanted it to be. So I was I was super excited to get to have that with you guys. We had Black Ops in 172. Did was, we do both of that those? That was a good beer night. Oh, my night. God. That was a good beer yeah. night. Yeah. So, yeah, Ooh. it wasn't the same, but it came from the same episode. That's, <laughs> that's a little weird. That's and I did not recount my top uh, number three and two on beers. I'm not going to make that mistake on the films. Okay. Yeah, the Mexican cake I remember being delicious. The Mexican cake was, and, and I remember the pepper not being like, you know. No, it wasn't. It wasn't like a spice, but neither was a Braxis. Like it's, it was it's, there though. It was. It's it was great Braxis, when there's yeah. the tingle. You yeah. get that little tingle. It just gives it that little, little zest. Right. I don't want zest. it to like, you know, overpower things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No. Certainly. Shows five through two best films of. We're we're, we're here. We're here. Yeah. We're Number one. Go. We're at the apex. Here it is. Titan, Pig, Licorice Pizza, Green Knight. That's five through two. Yep. Um, Number one. Two more almosts, now that I can reveal what's going on. Okay. Lamb and Dune. Those were in my top five okay. until Titan and uh, Pig came along. Tragedy Macbeth is number one. But ultimately, the best film of 2021 is a small family drama. It is black and white, but it's not Tragedy of Macbeth. It's passing. It's Come On, Come On. Come wow. On, Come On. It's my favorite film of wow. the year and has okay. been since the moment that I watched it. Nothing mm. came close to eclipsing it. Okay. Um, Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, it's my favorite film of the year, but I've had a few beers. What's the girl's name? The sister. Uh, come on, come on. 
Gabby Hoffman. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, Woody Norman is the kid. Yeah. 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 Um, Johnny is a radio guy who goes around the country, like an NPR kind of guy who's interviewing children for a project on the state of the world and the state of the yeah. future from a child's perspective. And then a child comes into his life, his sister's son, while she has to go off and attend to some family matters. And he completely changes Johnny's worldview um turns the tables emotionally on yeah. him and it's beautifully shot not not as beautifully shot as tragedy of Macbeth and that black and white the choice but um subjectively hit me in a place that uh that scene in the pharmacy or the bodega where he wants to buy a special toothbrush and he has to like mm -hmm. reason and negotiate with a child when he has no experience doing so it was so real there's so much about this movie seems so real uh mike mills's come on come on is my favorite film of 2021. I have not seen Red Rocket. I have not seen Benedetta. I have not seen Drive My Car. But we'll see what happens. I know, right? The omission it's... of Red Rocket from our... I mean, we can't... There's nothing no, we can do. Nothing we can do. Or but... Drive My Car, right? I mean, but there that's... are these films lurking out there that we know are haunting our 2021. The size list. of our market in beer and movies is such a weird like thing. I Drive My Car is isn't on VOD? No. Oh, well then... My guess is wrong. Okay. Yeah, I, I was confused about your I guess. thought it was on... I thought this it was This is Carlos's guess for your best oh, film no, of the year. Oh, no, it's yeah. not. Do you want to go? Are we at me? Go for yeah. it. I'm surprised you didn't get it. I thought for sure you were going to write Titan on that slip of paper. Titan! I would not have guessed that. For I you. would really? not have guessed yeah. Titan. Oh. I would no. guess Titan for him, but I... No, I mean, I was totally uh, just charmed... <laughs> It seems like the wrong word to say, but having this uh, this introduction to Julia de Cornell just a few weeks ago, the, I mean, we're talking just a few weeks ago, right? 179. We're only two episodes back. Mm. Um, Raw was fantastic. The, don't get me wrong. I, I, th I think it's a great film. I think I prefer Raw. But team. I prefer Titan. Yeah, to me, the messiness of Titan, the the insanity not of the Titan. Not the filmmaking messiness. That's not, that's not what no, you mean. No, 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 no. I just mean the like that the, the characters do things you don't predict. That you're 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 seeing these people make decisions that you wouldn't want them to make. But that's how people make decisions. Sometimes yeah. people make them on a moment's notice, and then they're stuck with them, and they have to lock into it until the next turn comes and mm. then they have to pivot and they change watching all of that take place was was amazing the performances we already talked about agatha roussel yeah. uh vincent linden i think are fantastic outstanding i these are characters that on paper should not work for me on any level and yet mm. they both did so well I mean, this is, and, and really to me, the, the big thing is that Julia de Cornell to me feels like a voice that I just want to hear more from and yeah. I want to see what she's doing. It's it's very similar to how I felt, I mean, again, in it's body horror too, but like how I felt about Cronenberg, Brandon Cronenberg and, and Possessor, Possessor, where it's yeah. like, yeah. where is this coming from? Why? Yeah. Who tells stories like this? Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. And when a film can do that, that, chef's kiss, That that is where I want cinema to be. Sometimes, I mean, yeah. I want licorice Titan. pizzas. I, I, I want dunes. I want things that are like somewhat predictable Fast and that, nines. like, okay, this is yeah, this is what this person does. <laughs> this is what this group. Is. When you but, watch Titan, you're watching something that 
you're seeing something being created that you didn't know ever could be. Right. Mm-hmm. And, right. And it is. And then phenomenal. I would never. And then I could never, in my wildest dreams, dream up myself and 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 put together myself. Like yeah, I, you can never think like, what is the movie that I want to? This would that movie no. would never come up and just like I fucked yeah. up. Your top five. Up until that point, we're come on, come on, pig, lost daughter, licorice pizza, and then Titan. Your yeah, number titanium. one. We have the same exact list reshuffled except for one item. Yeah, yeah, interesting. All right, Carlos, your top five through two prior I, to now. We're I about can, to hear it. I can, yeah, I got it. I got so it. Go here. Tragedy it. of Macbeth is number five. Number four is Dune. Number three is French Dispatch. Number two is The Green Knight. What on earth could number one be? Okay, let me think. I thought it was going to be Tragedy of Macbeth because you were so strong on it when we saw it just a few weeks ago. What's missing? It's not Fast 9. You already mentioned that. I was strong on Macbeth, but I said it was top five. I didn't say it was the I best understood, year. Understood. Yeah. But I, 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 I still remember you being so declarative. I knew it was one of the best movies of the year, and it was. Oh, it's Pig. My number one is Pig. Yeah. yeah all right. My number one is Pig. Uh, What's the biggest Venn diagram of the three of us? It was it's Pig. An easy choice for me. I mm-hmm. am the only one of us that saw it in a theater. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and you recommended it highly after you saw it. And the only reason that that is important is because I saw it at like three p.m. on a Thursday, and I was one of three people there, and I was sobbing at the end of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, the end of that movie hit me so fucking hard, and I just. I love movies about food. I love Chef. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, I love subtle yet emotional and like gut wrenching performances. I love unexpected twists and narrative, like the fucking Kitchen Staff Fight Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally love the. Um, locale of the pacific northwest no doubt um i have a great fondness for oregon and washington state Um, there weren't many characters in that film but every single one of them needed a redemptive repair of a relationship that they were in or had been in yeah and i love the way that the film kind of grew plot wise Mm -hmm. uh, the way that the characters developed over the course of the film you never quite had your finger super hard on any of them from the get go. You know, I sometimes you see a movie and this this first scene you see of a character you're like, yeah, I, I know what that guy's about. I know what that girl's about. I you know, I know what this person's whole fucking thing is. You know what I mean? But when he spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Pig yet, pause the podcast right now. When he cooks that meal at the end of the film and Adam Arkin, am I right about the yeah. name? Uh looks at him and realizes what he's eating and the wine he's drinking. And the wine he's drinking. And then when Nick Cage finds out what he finds out. And, you know, that's that's the moment where... And that's another thing about this movie is that... And another reason that Nick Cage was almost my best performance of the year is because we're getting such a subtle, subdued performance out of him. But then once he breaks, he breaks. Mm-hmm. And he crumbles, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, and really you feel that raw bottled up outpouring of emotion from him in that scene in that guy's house and it's it's 100% believable and it and it's so believable and it's just one of those movies that builds and builds and builds and the payoff while devastating is very almost sad it's satisfying in a storytelling way not in an emotional way necessarily but it is just just expert filmmaking yeah. and and 
and it's and it's situations like this where I I just I love seeing a smaller scale film execute at this level. You know, when we talk about Dune, I mean, we're talking about this massive, huge scope of a movie where like, yeah, when you're talking about another planet and sandworms and all this stuff, it's like, yeah, with the right budget, you can make that look grand and wonderful and have this massive scope. But when you can take a smaller film like Pig and it can bring the same level of emotion albeit different emotions, but the same kind of feeling out of you. I mean, that is truly somebody that has a very strong grasp on the art of filmmaking and that knows what the fuck they're doing with a movie camera. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not excited about it, but I'm glad that he's getting paid. Uh, And I, and I, I just loved pig. I love this beer too. Can't by the argue way. with you. Four fifty North. I love it when we bring a new brewery to the show. You said that these cans were in high demand. How did we feel about uh, the slushy, extra large smoothie style sour sour ale with starfruit, papaya, mango, guava, unicorn juice? It's great. It's juice. It, it is, is juice. It, it, it is full on juice. I mean that that it's was fruit juice that makes it nutritious. Oh yeah, hey, it's absolutely. basically a salad. We're getting our vitamins here. This is this is tasty. I mean, we, we've uh, we've definitely we've talked the smoothie sours on this show. We we've had them. Um, this is right up there with, with with any of them that we've had. I mean, this you you could pour me a glass of this in the morning, and I would be. <laughs> Pour some champagne in it. You'd have the best mimosa maybe you ever had. The, yeah, a great beer mimosa for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved here it. For I that, thought the, the balance of the fruit was fantastic. Although, I mean, like star fruit's not something I eat very often, so I don't even know if I could identify it in there. But the mango and papaya and guava, I mean, uh, they're coming through balanced yeah. beautifully. Very tropical. Yeah, very uh, very. I, it, it, it's drinking it. higher than a five point three to me, but. Regardless, it's uh, the ABV's probably nice all on. those others that you had could before be, could helped. Be. Yeah, it could very yeah. much be not in. so much. I mean, the overlap, of course, Pig was in all three of our top fives: Licorice Pizza in two, Green Knight in two, Titan in two, uh, Come On, Come On in two. So, I mean, we had a lot of similarity, but uh, mm-hmm. when it came to the 130 beers that we drank between our top threes, we had nine different beers. I mean, the quality I'm, of beer drinking on this show is it's always hard to pair at the highest level. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised that nobody else had French Dispatch in their top five. Really, I mean, it's in my honorable just, mention. It was I in mean, my I top know, ten, but I, I, I mean, I know that, but I'm just yeah. it's it's. I, I'm surprised. I almost I'm surprised put it as my most disappointing, to be honest with and, you. And again, like a lot of those crazy, a lot of the ones say. that came in there were ones that slid in right at the last, you know, these sure. last few weeks. Yeah. Sure. And that's, I mean, you know, that is. Why did you think David had uh, seen Drive My Car? I was just looking at. I. It's really because I feel like every year there's a at least two films in David's top ten or top five that the rest of us haven't seen. Yeah. <laughs> And so I, I wasn't taking, able I, to sneak any in. <laughs> I was no, taking a sorry. real stab in the dark with that yeah. one. Um, I didn't realize that it wasn't on. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't no. On I mean, we've got yeah. we got we've got six 
like noteworthy 2021 films that yeah. we have not seen that we'll watch, I'm sure, in the future here. Well, the, so the the A24 uh, like special screening that mm-hmm. I saw for Lamb, mm-hmm. right when we did that, yeah, they just did that for Red Rocket over the weekend. Oh, did they? Oh, and I totally missed it. Oh. Yeah, uh, what was but the hope, price tag on that? I have no when idea. You did it for um, for Lamb, I, I think it was twenty bucks. Okay. Um, but hopefully that means that we're it's c- coming to VOD shortly, right? Um, but you know who yeah. knows. Um, our top—that's the thing about a top five list or a top ten list. Uh, not only is it so purely subjective, but it's always evolutionary. I mean, something could come in there and shift. And yeah, and, and I mean, um, I'm happy with this list. It was a good film. Good film it, year. It was a good film good year. Good beer year. And I talk, you know, I I kind of I did my albums of the year list recently. Oh yeah. On the shops YouTube channel. And I kind of, the precursor to it was like, here are all of the albums that I see people talking about that I have not listened to yet. So go in knowing that I haven't for whatever reason, given these albums the proper time yet. And so that's, if they're, they're not on my top 10, don't be mad. I just haven't listened to them. And so that's kind of how it is with the films at this point is there are ones that we haven't, had the chance to see. It's and, early you know. February and we have not watched for the show uh, a 2022 release yet. I know you've seen Scream. I have, yeah. We talked about Jackass. Maybe in After Hours we can nail down what we might want to do next week. Now yeah, we, we got to get into us. 2022. Sure. But yeah, the, the nature of movie releases, it makes sense that we kind of end up having to bleed the year before into yeah because you know uh, like we said oscar noms come out tomorrow slash yesterday right if you're listening to this on the day it was released it was yesterday from when we're recording it it's tomorrow and you know that's kind of what the end of the year leads up to you know and so people will release things on a dozen screens to qualify and then Mm -hmm. they'll get kind of moved uh into more and more markets as time goes on, and so that's why we end. That's why we end up with this crazy end of year where it's like, yeah. But we, we did kind do of prioritize our, things. We did our Bammies a full month prior than we did them last year. Yeah, yeah, and that was. I mean, not that twenty twenty one wasn't a fucked up year, but twenty twenty two was a fucked up year. Well, twenty 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 twenty. Sorry, yeah, yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, what a exciting Bammies. Thirteen point five percent. Yeah, hey, uh, you know, we're, we're doing all right. <laughs> we're for having we're doing drank okay. We're doing okay. Uh, and I think that's, I think we've arrived yeah, at the end of the episode and you know, I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. The best part about this show is that I know that we are going to have these same conversations with you, the listeners, uh, and that, you know, always happens on social media. So you can find us on whatever social media you prefer. Uh, we are on Twitter at beer movie show, Instagram at beer and a movie, Facebook.com slash beer and movie TX. Uh, beer and movie podcast.com is where you can find all of the cool um, kind of groupings of the episodes we've done over the years, uh, all the all horror October stuff, all of the director focused episodes. Uh, you can find all of the breweries that have entered the Five Timers Club, and you can also find this uh, map of all of the cities, states, and countries that we've been to brewery wise, all where all of the places that we have drank beer from. Which at this point we're in, we've done twelve countries, mm-hmm. three, four, no, four hundred, right? Or was it three hundred beers? No, four hundred. Four hundred. That's what I thought. That's, yeah, over four hundred beers. We're approaching our four hundredth film. Yeah, uh, a very fun map to look at. Um, 
and you know we mentioned it in this episode already patreon.com slash brand movie podcast five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode every single week where we do talk about um beer and movies usually movies we've watched that we didn't do on the show though we've done that pretty recently so probably not this week but uh we also talk about the shows we're watching the records we're listening to what's going on in our lives all that kind of stuff um that's great fun. And of course, as I said at the top of the episode, beer in a movie merch is a real thing now. Tpublic.com slash user slash beer in a movie. Or you can just go to the website and click the merch button. And it'll take you there. You can get uh, T-shirts, long sleeves, hoodies, crew necks, mugs, stickers, notebooks. I mean, all sorts of stuff. Uh essentially whatever your heart desires if you're listening to this on apple podcast please rate review and subscribe that helps us to manipulate the algorithm to do what it is that it does and get our podcast in front of more beer lovers in front of more movie lovers in front of more podcast lovers in front of more banter uh lovers because there's you know there's some banter we are we we banter at a high level on this show uh (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I think that about wraps it up for this year's Bammies slash Frothskers. All of the best films, performances, scores, and beers of 2021 are now set in stone. They cannot be changed. We are right. You are not. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Y'all probably have great taste, just like we do. If if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you do. Anyway, this has been another high ABV episode of Beer in a Movie. Until next time! I'd like to speak to the chef. (laughs) 